Let's turn now to the Word of God in Hebrews 2. Therefore, that refers back to the previous chapter and all you read there. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, that was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man, that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man, that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest 
in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And the verse from this chapter, which is the text for this morning's sermon, is verse 12. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, will I sing praise unto thee. Did you hear him? A few minutes ago when you were singing? Did you hear Christ doing what he talks about here in Hebrews 2 verse 12? When he says, in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. We believe as churches that Christ speaks through the preaching of the word. That's fundamental to everything we believe about the preaching of the gospel. But I doubt very much that most of us, any of us, realize that Christ speaks, makes himself heard, also in the singing of the church. He's present when the word is preached. But he's present and makes himself heard also when we sing. God here in Hebrews 2 verse 12. In the midst of the church will I, that's Christ, will I sing praise unto thee. Actually, the name that the passage uses for him is not Christ, but Jesus. The reference is to verse 9. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. And it's very appropriate that Hebrews uses that name here. That's the name that he took as our brethren, as our brother, and as the one who counts us his brethren. That's the subject of this morning's sermon. Jesus singing in the church. 
And I trust that what the Word of God says here in just a few words will change your whole thinking about the singing that's part of the worship service and change your participation in the singing of the church as well. Jesus sings when the church sings. Sings in the church and among us when we sing together. And I hardly need to tell you that that's the reason why our singing is acceptable to God. It's nothing in itself, but because Jesus sings in the church, our singing is God-glorifying, and as we're going to see, edifying, and an important part of our worship services. Verse 9 says, we see Jesus made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. And then in what follows, the word of God goes on to tell us that he was able to taste death on our behalf, because he's like us, one with us, our brother. It became him. It was fitting for him. For whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And then in our text, The Word of God says, and that's what makes Hebrews 2 verse 12 such a remarkable verse, that the proof, the proof that Jesus counts us his brethren is the fact that he sings with us in the worship of the church. He is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, he says that, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Remarkable, isn't it? He proves his oneness with us proves that he was made like us in all things except sin, 
that he's our brother, not just by calling us his brethren, but by participating in our worship as a congregation. Not just preaching to us, but as the text has it, singing with us. Now there are those who insist that this is a reference to just one event. When after the Last Supper, Jesus sang with his disciples. That, and that alone, is what the Word of God is referring to. But there is no reason to limit the passage to what happened on that last night of Jesus' earthly life when he sang some of what are called the Hallel Psalms with his disciples before going on to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in fact, as we're going to see, when we come to the question How does this happen? How is it that Jesus sings in and with his church? We're going to see that this very really is something that wasn't limited to the night of the Last Supper, but which happens every time the church Sings. Christ participates as our brother in the singing of the church by way of proving to us the fact that he is not ashamed to call us his brethren. Sinners, unworthy, that we are even to be part of the worship of the church. That brings us to that question, how does this happen? You have to listen for that, of course. When you sing, we'll come to that. But how does it happen? Well, the answer to that question lies, first of all, in the fact that this is a quotation. Quotation from Psalm 22, verse 22. Psalm 22, verse 22. It's a little bit different. In Hebrews 2, verse 12, but nevertheless a quotation. And the difference, by the way, is the work of the Holy Spirit, who wanted to make it clear that this happens in the church. 
Psalm 22, verse 22 says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. And, as becomes evident when you read the whole psalm, that is Christ speaking. If you go back to the first verse of the psalm, for example, that becomes very evident. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Set down by David, and in a way his own words, they are preeminently the words of Christ, as even the children know. The words that he took as his own, once again, when he was suffering and dying on the cross, suffering the agonies of hell during those three hours of darkness. And that verse from Psalm 22 is a reminder of something. It's the words of Christ. That's a reminder of something that's true of all the Psalms. Not just of Psalm 22 or Psalm 69, but all the Psalms are the word of Christ. And the word of Christ in a unique and wonderful way. The whole Bible, of course, from Genesis 1, verse 1, to the last verse of Revelation 22, is Christ's Word. But the Psalms are unique in that Christ speaks personally in the Psalms. The Psalms are not just a word which he inspired and a word which is about him, but they are Christ speaking in all his work as our Redeemer and Savior. So much so that during those three hours of darkness when he was on the cross, suffering agonies beyond our comprehension, he didn't have to think of something to say. He had already said it. In Psalm 22, verse 1. Said it through David. But it was his word, even then. His word 
as the one who lived in David and of whom David was a picture. And it was in that way too that God's people heard Christ in the Old Testament. Something like what Jesus says of Abraham. You remember how the Jews laughed when he talked as though he knew Abraham. You're not even 50 years old and you act like you know Abraham? Are you crazy? Jesus said, your father Abraham saw my day and was glad. This goes even beyond that. When the Psalms were sung in the temple, that Christ was heard in the worship of the temple. And the believing Israelites heard him and recognized him. And that's the reason, too, I might add, why the Psalms are probably the favorite book of God's people even today because of that unique way in which Christ himself speaks in the Psalms. And that's how he's heard in the singing of the church today. When the psalms are sung, then the church is singing Christ's words, and he joins in. through the singing of the Psalms. That's the reason why we don't sing the words of men in the worship services. Any beautiful hymns. Hymns that are worth singing on other occasions and at other times. But if we understand Hebrews 2, verse 12, then we understand that we have there in the Word of God perhaps the greatest argument for psalm singing that you will find anywhere in the Scriptures. And a reason to sing only the psalms in the worship of God. I can't imagine that someone who understands what Hebrews 2 verse 12 says and who understands that when the church sings the Psalms, Christ sings in his church, that anyone would ever want to sing anything else but those words of Christ. 
But this is the reason, too. Hebrews 2, verse 12, is the reason why singing is part of the worship service. I don't know whether you ever thought about that. Many of us are not very good singers. Sometimes, sadly, singing of a congregation is rather pathetic. At least viewed from the volume of the singing, participation of the members of the church, the fact that many of them are not good singers, it's not what matters. What matters is that when we sing the Psalms, that Christ sings with us in the church. It's that, it's the Word of God here in Hebrews 2 verse 12 that explains too what the Word of God says about singing in Colossians. Colossians 3 verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Another very important verse about the church's singing. But Hebrews 2 verse 12 explains that. Explains, first of all, that opening phrase of the verse, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why is that important for singing? And the answer is here in Hebrews 2 verse 12. The word of Christ there is a reference to the Psalms. And when that word dwells in us, and as it were, wells up out of our hearts in the singing, then we hear in the church, by faith, the voice of Christ himself and realize that he is present not only in the preaching of the word but also in our singing. Remarkable, isn't it? I wonder how often we've read or heard read that second chapter of Hebrews and never noticed what verse 12 says. When, for example, we sing a number that's based on Psalm 22. 
Number 47, favorite of your children. And sing those words, my God, my God, I cry to thee, oh, why hast thou forsaken me? And we realize that we're singing the words of Christ. But don't really connect that with what the Word of God says in Hebrews 2 verse 12. And with the fact that that's what the singing of the church is all about. It makes all the difference in the world. Say, for example, you're singing from Psalm 88, which could be, which could probably be called the gloomiest of all the Psalms. There is not in that Psalm one ray of light. It's all darkness and all gloom. But think of singing those words without realizing that they're the words of Christ or singing them as the words of Christ himself. What a difference that makes. I can't even imagine that someone would want to sing Psalm 88 without knowing that those are the words of Christ. Because even though there is no gleam of light in the words of the psalm, the fact that it's Christ who speaks in Psalm 88, and whose voice we, we hear in that psalm, is all light. Light in the darkness of our sin and unbelief. Light in the face of God's judgments against sin. Light in our gloom. That's that wonderful verse. Would you sing Psalm 88 as the words of Christ? Then those words of Isaiah are true too. The people that sat in darkness have seen great light. All my suffering, all my darkness, all my gloom cannot even begin to compare with his. And his darkness is my light. But that's not just true of Psalm 88. That's true of all the Psalms. And Christ tells us too why he's pleased to sing in the church. To make his voice heard in the church's singing. And that's the first part of Verse 12, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. That's why 
One reason, of course, is simply the fact that he proves himself to be our brother by participating in that way in our worship. But there's another reason, and that's the first part of the verse. I will make thy name known unto my brother. He not only participates in our worship as our brother, but he cares for us. And cares for us by making known in the church, singing with God's people, the name of God. It's not just you, in other words, who are singing the praises of God, but Christ, who's making God's name known when the church sings. And you have endless examples of that in the Psalms. And I might add, who better qualified than Christ? To make God's name known in the church. In fact, if we're to profit from the singing of the church, then we profit only because He's making God's name known. But you have an example of that in Psalter number 132. Within thy temple's sacred courts, with loving and adoring thought, We contemplate thy grace, O God, and all thy deeds with mercy fraught. I come to church. You come to church. And it's possible that we come so utterly unprepared for the worship of God that we don't do what that Psalter number says. But think of Christ saying those words as you and I sing them in Psalter number 132. Reminder of what we're here for and the one in whom the grace of God that makes it possible for us to contemplate God's grace and all his deeds with mercy fraught. Think of him singing those words with you as you sing them. Makes God's name known as the one who's pleased to dwell in his church. God's name known as the God of election. Thy Zion thou hast chosen, Lord, and thou hast said, I love her well. 
This is my constant resting place, and here will I delight to dwell. We sing those, and we understand what we're saying, but it adds a whole nother dimension to the words of, those, of that psalm. Psalter number 368, to think of Christ singing them as the one who sings with us to make God's name known to us. That's why, as that verse in Colossians says, we, Christ through us, Christ with us, are teaching and admonishing one another when we sing. It's not just a matter of enjoying the melodies and enjoying the wonderful gift of singing, but of hearing Him make God's name known. Psalter number 241. That was my father's favorite, by the way. Psalter number 241 speaks of the faithfulness of God. O thou Jehovah, God of hosts, what mighty one thy likeness boasts, and all thy works and vast designs Thy faithfulness forever shines. Christ says that, sings that. When we sing Psalter number 241, and I trust you understand, my dear friends, that that's the only reason Christ singing them is the only reason that when you sing those words, they get through to you and touch your heart and you catch a glimpse of the majesty and glory and faithfulness of our great God and Father. That's Hebrews 2, verse 12. I will declare thy name unto my brethren, not only in the preaching of the gospel and in the reading of Holy Scripture, but when Christ sings in the midst of his church. And then, too, we are busy teaching and admonishing one another. What does that mean? What does that all mean for you and me? Well, it means, first of all, that you and I have to listen for the voice of Christ. It's really the same thing as paying attention to the words. But it goes, it does go a little bit beyond that. You have to listen for 
the voice of Christ. And not just enjoy the singing. Some of us have a hard time doing even that. Listen. That first of all. And then this too. Believe. The singing of the church is more than just sweet melodies and beautiful words, but calls as much as the gospel does for faith in him whose name is made known in the singing of the church by Christ himself. And even though you don't say that in words, your response When this or that psalm is finished, your response should be, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Believe and do what Christ does. When you're singing together. Remember, that's where we started this morning. I said, Christ singing in the church is proof. His way of proving that we are his brothers. His participation in the singing proves his love for us. Well, I think you can see that that demands the same on our part. Sing. Participate in the singing by way of showing that you understand that. And that because he counts the other members of the church his brothers... You do too. If you can't sing because you can carry a tune, then sing for that reason. To prove, as he proves when the church sings, that those who are singing with you are not only Christ's brothers, but in him and through his saving work, yours also. And then participate in the singing too. For the same reason that he sings in the church. He sings... In fulfillment of Psalm 22, verse 22, in his church, until that day comes when he will sing with us in perfect glory forever, 
He sings with his church down to prove that he is our brother, and you must sing. Sing with all your heart. Sing with understanding. Making melody in your hearts unto the Lord, as Colossians 3 says, to show that he is your brother. Again I say, again I say, if you have no other reason to sing than that, That's reason enough. Sing in the church as one whom he is not ashamed to call his brother. As I said in the beginning, that should change our whole attitude towards singing should help us to understand why singing is part of the worship of the church, should encourage in a marvelous way our participation in the singing of the church. We sing with the Son of God. We sing with Him who died for our sins. We sing with Him who is coming again to take us to himself. And all because, as Hebrews has it, he's one with us, not ashamed to call us his brethren. God grant it here in London. Amen. Father, we thank Thee for what we've heard this morning. And ask, Father, that we may take the Word of God to heart. That we may, in the worship services of the church, be making melody unto Thee, the great God of our salvation, the one who makes Thyself known through our Savior Jesus Christ, our elder brother. Forgive us, Father, when we are not part of the worship of the church as we ought to be. Forgive us when we do not worship in spirit and in truth as thy word requires. Give us hearts filled with the praises of thy name and the praises of him who is not ashamed to call us his brethren until he comes again and we sing with him forever. Forgive whatever was said amiss in the sermon this morning. Bless us as we go our different ways for a few hours. Bring us back, if it be thy will, in peace and safety this evening. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.